um, but we are uh, starting a brand new series this morning, uh, and this is a series that again, we are going to be in uh, for the entire summer, and so again, I, I like to plan these longer series for our summertime because knowing that, uh, that we have family vacations and camping trips and, and different things going on throughout, and we kind of come and go throughout the summer, but but yet, um, we are going to be going through the Gospel of John. We're going to study it chapter by chapter through the entire summer. So we're opening that up the, uh, this morning as we study John chapter 1. Uh, but w- whether you're here with us every Sunday this summer, even if you are uh, away on vacation or up camping, uh, we are going to continue to stream online. So even if you're gone, you can still watch the service and, and worship with us wherever you are. But, but even if you're not able to do that, is I encourage you to continue through this study with us, right? And, and follow uh, through the entire gospel as we um, just focus on the, just the, the core of our faith, and that is who Jesus is. Right? And when we realize, again, just for, for us, and, and again, as we talked about this last series with, with Hebrews 11 and 12, when we see that our faith needs to be in God and God alone, Right? And that Jesus Christ, again, is the foundation of our faith. And so, uh, again, the, as we know that, and, and we need to, again, learn all we can about Jesus. Right? And so we are continuing, again, as we study and as we worship throughout the summer, we are going to dive deep into the Gospel of John. And again, a Gospel is, is, um, is one of the different literary forms in the Bible. We have poetry, we have historical books. You know, we have um, all kinds of different, different um, writing in the Bible, and gospel is a very specific kind of writing. And the gospel literally means the story of Jesus. Okay, now, again, the literal translation of gospel okay, is good news, but there is no better news than news about Jesus Christ. Okay, and a gospel, again, is telling us the story of Jesus' life. And as we look at, uh, look at our Bible, look at the, in the New Testament, we have four different Gospels in, in Scripture. Okay? We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're all, kind of, they're all um, grouped together at the very beginning of the New Testament. Okay? And, and these four Gospels um, give us four different versions of Jesus' life. And, and we see, again, how, um, how Jesus' life impacted people, the different teachings that he gave, the parables, the miracles the different people he interacted with, and we learn lots about Jesus' life. Now, when we look at the four Gospels, we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke that are all very similar in the way that they're written, the things that they describe, um, even the different teachings and miracles that they include. And then we have the Gospel of John, and the Gospel of John is a little bit different. It's written in a different style. It gives us a different perspective. In fact, John's Gospel it gives us a unique view of Jesus. Again, we can read Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They, they're a lot more similar, but, but, um, but John's gospel is different. Okay, John's gospel is written in the first person, okay, which means that it, it's coming from a, an eyewitness account. Uh, John, who wrote the gospel, was one of the disciples. In fact, he was one of G- Jesus' inner three disciples, right? Ones that that Jesus spent the most time with. We also see how, uh, again, from from John's perspective, right, that he was in situations that other people weren't in, right, because he was, again, with Jesus in those moments. 
that we see a lot more details from John than we see from the other gospel writers. We see a lot more emotion in his stories and the way that he tells the stories than we see from the other gospel writers. When you think about, again, these, these literary forms and the way that John writes, okay, the gospel of John is written more like a love letter. And where the other three Gospels are written more like a history book. Again, they give us times and dates and events, and they kind of go through all of those things in a very um, just systematic way. And yet John's Gospel is unique. He includes deeper emotions, details of conversations and things that the other Gospels don't include. And also as we look at the Gospel of John, Okay, again, as it's written from the first person, okay, the interesting thing about the Gospel of John, we know that John wrote it, all right, and, and yet um, he never names himself in the stories. Now, there, there's a couple places. In fact, there are five, five or six different places in the Gospel where it, in the story he has to identify himself, but he never uses his own name. In fact, he, he designates this, this special a kind of title for himself within the gospel. He calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I'm like, that kind of seems like a little bit of an arrogant, you know, um, title to give yourself, right? But, but again, but it shows, again, it speaks to, to the perspective that John comes from, right? That he had a special relationship with Jesus, right? One that... that no one else had. And so we, we get this very interesting perspective from the disciple that Jesus loved. Okay, also, um, John was the youngest disciple. Again, it doesn't really give us their, their ages, but again, there's lots of kind of context clues we can take to, to realize, again, closely the ages of the disciples. But John is commonly believed to be the youngest one out of all 12. And therefore, because he was also the last one living. Okay, all of the other apostles, again, had died. Many of them were, were martyred for their faith. Um, and, and then, but John, again, was the last one living. And, and John, again, at the very end of his life, he also wrote the book of Revelation. And, and at, at that time, we know when, he's, when he received that revelation and wrote down everything that he saw, uh, you know, uh, and everything that Jesus showed him in that vision, uh, was at the very end of John's life, and this was at the end, again, of, of, of all of the, this season of these apostles. As I said, John was a part of Jesus' inner three. It, we see this described many times in the scriptures when, when Jesus takes these ones he had the closest relationship with. It was Peter, James, and John. It just, just one example is that Jesus takes these three up to the mountain during the transfiguration. They were the only three that saw and experienced that with Jesus. And again, John was one of those. Hey, uh, the interesting thing within the Gospel of John is, is not only what he includes and what he says and all those extra details and emotions, but it, it's also interesting what John doesn't say. In fact, there is only one miracle other than the resurrection that is included in all four Gospels. The only miracle other than the resurrection that's included in all four Gospels is the feeding of the 5,000. Okay, other than that miracle and the resurrection, um, it, no other miracles are included in all four perspectives. 
In fact, many, many scholars believe that the Gospel of John was the last Gospel to be written. I even sit back and wonder, again, what, what was Jesus's or, or John's motivation to, to write his version of Jesus' life? Right? Perhaps he, he looked and, and saw the other Gospels and the ones that were written and, and realized because of his inner circle knowledge that there were, there were certain holes that John wanted to fill in right, that were not widely known about Jesus and his life. It, it, but yet the text doesn't tell us John's motivation for why he wrote. Right? We can speculate, but, but again, his motivations are not given us. However, John is very clear about his purpose for writing his gospel. It, we see his purpose because he tells us straight out in the text. It, at the end of the gospel in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, it says, The disciples saw Jesus do many miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Again, John very clearly gives us his purpose for writing this gospel. Right? And that purpose was so that you will know that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is no question in your mind. Right, that, that when you read the accounts, I, I mean, that he tells us right here, right, that, hey, there is so much that Jesus did that I did not put in the gospel. Right, there's way more to learn or, or to experience about who Jesus was and the things that he taught but, but notice that John tells us he was very specific on what he did include, right? Because everything he does include in the Gospel of John clearly will show that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that we need to believe in him, right? And why is it such a strong motivation for John? Because by believing in him, you will have life. Right? Not life on our own power, but by the power of Jesus' name. Which is, again, the core of the gospel message. Right? That Jesus came to save us. It's not something that we can, we can experience by our own power, but by, only by the divine power of the Messiah. And so as we enter into this series, as we enter into this summer, Right, is realize that as we've gone through these last several months, like I said, there's so, been so much in our lives that has been stripped away. And yet it's brought us back to the basics of life in a lot of ways. And, and I want to walk together as a church as we go back to the basics of our faith through this summer. Right? And the very basic of our faith is that Jesus Christ is our Savior. Right? And right now, we need to make sure that our life and our faith are built on the rock of Christ and on nothing else. And it was exactly why we're going to spend the summer studying John's words. Right? Again, we're, we're going to continue to journey forward in our, in our knowledge of Jesus. Right? And, and ultimately, our faith and how close we are to and we are going back to the basics of what church is, which is 
the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Again, as, as we do that, even today, as we, as we open up this series and, and go through this, this intro to the, the gospel here in chapter 1, is that we are going to see as we go back to the basics, not just of our faith, but the basics of what church is, I'm going to point out to us um, where our four core values are all present in this first chapter of John. In fact, when we see that, I want to start again with our core value number four. As a church at Oregon Trail, our core value number four is that everyone is welcome on the journey. Again, when we look at the purpose of why John wrote this gospel, right, this purpose was that Everybody will know that without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was the Messiah, that he came to save us, and that you need to believe in him, right? And that is why, again, our core value, right, is who needs to know about Jesus? Everyone, right? Who is welcomed into the family of Christ? Everyone, right? And all it takes is to believe in Jesus Christ and receive his grace and his forgiveness, accept him into your life, and you can be saved. Everybody can be saved. No matter where you are in your life, you are not unsavable. And that, again, our core value, everyone is welcomed on the journey. If you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. So without any further ado, we're going to jump right into the text. So if you have your Bible with you, I bet you'd open with me to John chapter 1. And again, we're not going to read the entire chapter today. We don't have time to do that together. Uh, However, we are going to read a lot of it. So we're going to start out with John chapter 1. We're going to read the first 18 verses. So if you have your Bible with you, open with me to John chapter 1. Again, if you don't have your own Bible or don't have it with you, there are Bibles you can use in the seats. You can grab those. If you're worshiping with us online, grab your Bible um, and or open up your phone and follow along on John chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 1. So John 1, 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light, so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light, he was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart 
and he has revealed God to us. Again, there's, there's just so much packed, even in those, those first 18 verses. And again, we see that John doesn't waste any time. He jumps right in, right, as he lays the foundation of who Jesus is and why he came. Now, there's a couple things that we can just understand, even out of these intro verses into the gospel. And a couple things I want to point out this morning. The first is this, is that light and darkness is a central theme of the entire book. Okay, we see even in, the, in these intro verses, it talks about this light coming into the darkness. Right, we see how, again, the, the darkness, it says it, it pierces, or the light pierces the darkness. Hey, we, again, this is not just a, a, a central symbolism or a common symbolism just in the Gospel of John. We see this same symbolism throughout all of Scripture, right? That light equals good, right? And dark equals evil. Again, we can even infer that another step beyond that, right? That light equals good and light equals divine and holy presence. Right? But where darkness, again, equals evil, then also as well represents an evil presence, right? Or the presence of the enemy or the, or the absence of God. And, and we see this through all of Scripture, not just in the Gospel of John. But yet John makes a, a very uh, emphatic comparison here. Uh, in John chapter 1, verse 5, we see he says, The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Again, think about that concept for a moment. Right? Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Like, I don't know if you've experienced darkness in your life before, or just a, an ultimate darkness. But, but here, just for a few moments this morning... We're, we're going to experience a little bit of darkness. Okay, so yeah, we're going to put down the lights. We're going to turn everything off. We're going we're to get it as dark as we can in here. Okay, as we experience just a, a moment of, of darkness. Okay, and as we experience this darkness, and again, it's not super dark, but, but, but we see that it, the, the tone changes, right, when it gets dark. And yet, when we see this concept, right, of when we introduce any kind of light back into the darkness, okay, is it changes it. Even just a little bit of light changes it. The light changes the dark. Again, the dark cannot take power over the light. The light has the power over the dark. Right? Notice when we, we see the light, again, the, the, the light right, can go anywhere that it wants. The darkness has no power over the light. When the light enters a situation or into a room or into a life, right, there's no crevice or corner or place that, that the light can't reach. Right? And darkness has to submit to the light. The light holds the power to change the environment. As we see, again, just this 
little bit of darkness, we can, we can tell, again, how much it changes our environment. Right? And yet, when we take out the light, the darkness rushes right back in, doesn't it? Right? And now, again, as we kind of bring the lights back up, and we can see, again, that, again, the light changes the entire environment. Right? As those things come back up, we, we see that, but, but yet we understand that the light influences the dark. It's never the other way around. Okay? When light is present, the darkness disappears. Okay? The darkness cannot stop the light. Only the light penetrates into the darkness. Right? And the light brings clarity. It brings direction. And the light also brings confidence. Think about even in your house, you get up in the middle of the night when it's dark, right? Like you stumble around, not sure where to go, but as soon as you flip on the light, right, you, you can see exactly where to go and you can go with confidence. Because as we look at our core value number two with our church, our core value number two is that scripture is the foundation and the roadmap for our journey. And even it even describes scripture, right, that it is the light upon my path. Right, and that scripture gives us clarity, it gives us direction, and it gives us confidence. Right, the same as just a little bit of light when it enters into the darkness. Right, and we see again that John starts with this central theme right, of light and dark. And how Jesus brings light into our dark world. And then the, the next thing that we realize is that there are two different Johns that have two different roles. And we need to understand that as we read the gospel. Okay, again, he starts with light, and then he, then he introduces this John. And, and again, it's, it's easily confused because, okay, is this the John that's writing the book? Or no, it's not. It's a different John. Okay, remember, when he says the name John, because John, the author, never names himself in the gospel. So anytime you see the name John in the gospel, he's automatically talking about a different John. And that John, he's referencing to is John the Baptist, not John the Apostle. Two different guys. Okay, John, John the Disciple, John the, the Apostle is the author. Okay, John the Baptist is the John he talks about here in the scriptures. We see here in verses 6 through 8, he says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. And John himself was not the light, but he was simply a witness to tell about the light. Okay, not only do we see here that it's a different John than the author, okay, but we also see that he identifies that this John had a very specific role. Right, and his role, again, was to pave the way for the Messiah. Okay, now we first see this interaction between John the Baptist and Jesus in the Christmas story. Okay, this, is, this is the baby right, that leapt in Elizabeth's womb when Mary shows up. Okay, same guy. Okay, and, and so we see their interaction started from, the, from literally days after Jesus was conceived. Right, and yet, John had a very specific role. Right? He was to pave the way for the Messiah. 
And John did that in some very interesting ways. And again, we, we, we jump into that a little more into his story through the next couple chapters of the gospel. And again, we will see that. Um, there's this, um, again, this, this next section of the, of the scriptures, again, goes a little deeper into even in chapter one about John's life. We're not going to cover that today, um, but in our, our sermon discussion groups this week, those discussion questions go into that text. Okay, but, but yet, we want to see here, we see there are two different Johns. They have very specific and different roles. Okay, this reflects our core value number three for our church, which is that all generations contribute to the journey. Again, with lots of different people, we all have different roles, right? But we all contribute to God's plan in different ways. And then we see, again, through, through all of these, these different core values, we see this, these this concepts of, of different roles, of different people, light in the darkness, and then we get, again, to, to the next kind of central point of the entire book, and that is the fact that Jesus is the center of our faith. Jesus is the center of our faith. I know this is exactly, again, what, what John introduces here. He's like, it's all about Jesus. Right, he was at the very beginning of creation, right? And he's, he's walked through, he, he lived the sinless life, he died on the cross, he rose again so that we could all be saved. And, and now our entire faith is built and centered on Jesus. Right, which is exactly why for our church, our core value number one is that Jesus Christ is the destination of our journey. Again, he is the subject of our faith. Right? Everything we know about Jesus is vital information for all who believe and all that want to grow in their faith. Right? Jesus is the center of our faith. Hey, we see it in John chapter 1, verse 18, again, where he, he, John draws attention to the person of Jesus. He says, no one has ever seen God. But the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart, and he has revealed God to us. Now, when we look at this verse, notice he says that the, the unique one, one is capitalized. Okay, the, the reason it's capitalized is because it's a noun. Okay, because it's direct, it's describing a person. The one. The Messiah. Jesus. We see everything centers on Jesus. Because how do we see God? Well, we see him through Jesus. How can we understand God? Well, we we study the life and teachings of Jesus. Because he reveals God to us. And as, as we look again at at all that's here, again, we see the Johns has specific roles, but so does Jesus, right? The Messiah has a very specific role, right? And Jesus fulfills that role 100%, right? Because there are many different roles in God's plan. John the Baptist plays an important one, right? We see, the, again, the Trinity that's described here, Right? And Jesus is a part of the Trinity, right? And they all have a different role, and we kind of learn that from God, and that's true even within his body, the church now, is we all have different roles. Like I said, we're going to skip this verses 19 through 34, 
Um, and then we are going to pick up, again, the gospel here, the story in John 1, uh, with verse 35. And we're going to read the rest of the chapter. Okay, so this is now where uh, Jesus goes in and starts selecting some of his disciples. John chapter 1, picking up at verse 35. It says, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked up at him and declared, look, there is a, the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. And they replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. And the next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip, and he said to him, Come, follow me. And Philip was from Bethsaida, and Andrew, it was Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. And as they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this because I told you that I'd seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. And then he said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God coming up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. As we see this next section, as Jesus has interactions with several of the different disciples, as he kind of calls them and starts gathering this this crew that's going to be with him for the next three plus years. There's a couple of things, again, I want to point out about, about this text and things that we can learn that guides us, again, in our faith. We need to understand and know that, that there are, are phases and seasons with our God-given roles. Again, we all have different roles, and God has a role for you in his plan of redemption, and yet there are different phases and seasons within God's plan for your life. You see in verses 35 and 37, as, as he interacts, um, again, with, with Peter, and he says the following day, John was again standing with two of the disciples, um, and, and as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. And we see here, again, John the Baptist, right, he's, he's hanging out with his disciples and those that he's taught. But you remember, his role, right, was to pave the way for the Messiah. And now, here, John recognizes that the season of his life is changing. Okay, and notice two of his disciples literally leave John and go to follow Jesus. But, you know, I, as they do this, this is where we start to see the spotlight shift from John the Baptist and start to shine more on Jesus. Now, this is a process. It takes us a couple chapters to get there. Okay, in fact, in John chapter 3, which we'll see in a couple weeks, is where we see this process complete, where the spotlight shifts completely from John the Baptist onto Jesus. 
In fact, up to chapter 3, Jesus actually deflects public attention for the first three chapters. And then in chapter 4, we start to see Jesus switch gears. Right When he realizes, now I'm going to move into this new season of, of his life, right, and of, of a drawing public attention to himself, as it shifts from John the Baptist onto Jesus. But again, Jesus right here is laying the groundwork for the future phases, not just of the disciples' life, not just John the Baptist's life, but also for his earthly life and ministry. Again, there are different phases and seasons for John the Baptist, for the disciples, for Jesus, and the same is true for us. Notice two of these disciples, they leave John the Baptist and they start to follow Jesus. Now, Again, there are two of them that follow. The, the text only gives us the name of one of them. Again, the, the one that we see, okay, uh, again, is coming up, and we see that, that's where we see that, that John, uh, Jesus literally changes his name. Okay, which means the next thing I want to point out is that, again, we, we get a glimpse of Jesus' real goal of his ministry, and that is to change lives. Jesus' real goal within his life and his ministry is to change lives. And notice again, as, as, he, as he pulls these, these two disciples away from John, and they start to follow him, and then, then he has this conversation with one of these disciples, right, in, in uh, verse 42. Okay, where Jesus says, then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Yeah, we, hear, we see here as, as Jesus literally changes his name. Now, there are many times we see that Jesus changes people's names, or even God changes names. That he, he does that in the Old Testament. He does it even with some of the disciples. And, and name changes are very significant in the Bible. Okay, because it is showing, again, a, a season that is changing in their life. Right? And Jesus, again, is making significant changes. In fact, the main thing that Jesus changes, even here for Peter, is he changes literally the, de- the destination of Jesus, of Peter's life. Right? Which is exactly what, what Jesus does for us. Right? When we receive him as our Savior, he changes our destination. Again, before, without Jesus, we're headed towards destruction. But yet, with Jesus, we are on a new journey, a journey that leads us to heaven. We have a new destination. Again, we, we can look at, even in Scripture, and we can see here, we see the before and the after, right? And for a lot of different people, when Jesus changes their names, right? We, we get the before and the after, right? We've all seen the before and after pictures, right? Especially if it's, you know, for like a plastic surgeon or like a weight loss program, right? Or, you know, we, we see the before and after of like workout programs. You know, we, we understand these before and after pictures. You know, it's just interesting, you know, just in this last season, we, I don't know if you've seen any of these before and after quarantine pictures, right? You know, we, we all see this. There's, you know, for, you know, before quarantine, after quarantine, we, we all get this. That for, for the Star Wars fans out there, we have the before quarantine, we have the after quarantine, right? I, I mean, there's, we, we see all of this, but, but this, this concept, we understand the concept of before and after, Right, but yet here, uh, can we see, look at our life before Jesus, right? And what does our life look like after Jesus? Right, that is the, the goal and the mission of Jesus Christ, is to change lives. 
right, to take us from wherever we are and to take us somewhere new. Again, the truth is that Jesus accepts you exactly wherever you are. But Jesus loves you enough to not leave you the same. He accepts you wherever you are, but he loves you enough to not leave you the same. And Jesus changed the lives of the disciples, and he changes the lives of everyone who follows him. And the last thing I want to point out this morning is that we see at the end of this chapter that Jesus, again, identifies himself with this phrase that he uses a lot through the gospel. And this, the phrase, the Son of Man, right, describes the Messiah. And the Son of Man, again, is, is this, this phrase that Jesus used for himself to describe God in human form. And again, just as we see at the beginning of this chapter, as we read it, right, it says that, that God became human. I, I, I love the NIV version of that verse where it says that, that, that God became flesh. Right, God, a, God, a spirit, puts on flesh, right, and enters into our lives. And yet he entered with one mission, right, and that mission was to change all of our lives. Again, we, we see this, this phrase, son of man. Okay? In fact, Jesus uses this about himself many times. In fact, he uses it 81 times throughout all of the gospels to address himself. Right, this is a concept that Jesus wants us to get. Okay, the, the, the first time that we see, um, again, this phrase in Scripture is given in, in Old Testament prophecy. Okay, Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. It says, As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming in the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one who was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and sovereignty over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal, it will never end, and his kingdom will never be destroyed. Again, this is one of the Old Testament prophecies that was written thousands of years before Jesus was born, and yet his life, and again, we will see as we study his life through the Gospel of John this summer, right, lives into 100% every one of those prophecies. As we see this description again of the Son of Man entering into this world, God puts on flesh and therefore fully understands everything that we deal with within our human hearts and minds because our God experienced it himself. There there are two other times that this title is used um, in in the New Testament, both of them... uh, referencing Jesus, one in Acts chapter 7, and then John uses it again in Revelation chapter 1. Okay, so again, we see this title, Son of Man. Whenever you see that title, it's referencing the Messiah, the 100% God and the 100% human, Jesus. Again, it's hard to comprehend, right, how Jesus could be 100% God and 100% human all at the same time. But yet, we will see it play out through these next months as we study through the gospel. In fact, that's one of the things that John gives us is he shows us the human side of Jesus a lot more than the other gospel writers. Again, I'm excited to go on this journey with you through the summer as we dive deep into the gospel of John. We're going to study it chapter by chapter. 
Again, those weeks you're with us, I encourage you, right, obviously, to follow along with this. If you're not going to be with us at some point this summer, continue to read it. I encourage you, read the scripture yourself, right? Prepare your heart and continue to dive deep into who Jesus is. I want to leave us this morning with this final thought, and that is this. John's gospel provides a unique perspective of Jesus, and that will help us in our unique journey with Jesus. So we all need to let our light shine, right? Because the light has entered the darkness. Just as the Messiah entered the world, if Jesus enters your life, his light also shines then in you and through you. And that is, again, what we're called to as every follower of Jesus, right? Is called to shine the light of Christ, right? Into this world through our lives as we grow in our faith and as we share who Jesus is with those around us. Lord God, we come to you, Lord, and we praise you because you have a wonderful, powerful name. And God, we claim all of the power that comes with the name of Jesus in our lives. Lord, if, if there's any darkness in us at all, Lord, we invite you into our heart and our life, Lord, to distinguish the light from the dark. Lord, conquer that darkness in our own hearts, and our own minds. Lord, penetrate with your light. God, change us from the inside out. And Lord, as we go this week, Lord, help us to shine that light in, in every conversation we have. Lord, in every interaction we have and in, in everywhere we go. God, in all that we do, may you be glorified by our actions and our attitudes. Lord, may we show this world who you are. God, because everything that we know about you is vital information and everybody needs to know. Lord, help us as we are your hands and feet this week, as we shine your light in this dark world. God, and we can show this world what real love and real hope is. God, guide us in our faith, God, to, to pursue you with everything we have, Lord, to share you with all that we can. God, we love you. We praise you. In the power of Jesus' name we pray. Amen.